Royso and welcome to the Welsh Music Podcast. I'm James. And I'm Neil. How's it going, mate? Yeah, very good, thanks. Keeping busy, uh, thinking of different ways to um, explore more sort of content and music. And uh, yeah, how's, how's lockdown treating you? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. I think um, strangely getting used to it now, um, not going out and stuff. And yeah, as you said, uh, trying to make the most of it, uh, listening to more music, putting on our lockdown sessions each weekend, um, some great artists we've had already and some more this weekend. We've got uh, Los Blancos tonight, we've got Annie Glass tomorrow, Saturday night, and then we've got Lewis on Sunday, um, who are obviously on Recordiae Kosh, which is the label set up and run by Oz Gwyneth, who's our guest today. What a great guest. Yeah, really cool guy. Um, it was a really enjoyable day, actually. Um, we went up to North Wales a couple of months ago and uh, recorded um, episodes with uh, O's and Rhys You couldn't get two better guests, really, in terms of mini histories, like real anoraks on sort of Welsh language music and the scene more broadly, um, going back as far as the 80s and 90s into now with O's, um, with Kosh. Yeah, definitely. I really enjoyed spending time with um, with both of them and uh, O's, the guest today. He really loves his stats. He's really into sort of like Spotify and he talks about that. He's got a load of playlists up on Spotify for Welsh language music. So uh, check them out. And yeah, some great football chat as well. Um, obviously, we talk about the prospect of going to Baku and Rome to watch Wales in the Euros. But since then, obviously, the, the situation has changed. So that's no longer going to happen. But um, hopefully next year, we'll all be out there supporting Wales in the Euros. Yeah, so thanks for listening as ever and downloading. Um, check us out on social media. We're on Twitter at Welsh Music Pod and Instagram and Facebook at Welsh Music Podcast. We've got a new uh, little AR filter on Instagram for you to have a look at. Um, Pavan T, which Welsh band are you? Um, just a little fun to keep you uh, entertained and amused while uh, while we're locked down. Diolch amrando. So, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Inuris, lads. Thanks for inviting us up to uh, lovely Bethel, lovely part of the world. So um, was music a big part of your life growing up? Um, obviously, your dad was in, in the 60s group, the infamous coalition. Were you aware of that or did I rub off on you? I wasn't until um, I think I showed an interest in playing guitar and uh, then dad knew what to do. He was oh, okay. like, I got a mate, he plays guitar. <laughs> and then that's how I found out that he, he used to be in a band. But Wally... Um, Lived in London at the time, and he, and he worked for a company called Bands Mullins Reppin, and he used to supply the music shops around here. And then he bought me up a guitar. He actually, I think I played on a, a an awful guitar to begin with, and then he... That's the thing as well, I think people, if you want to play guitar, get a good one from the start, because it, it's so hard to play yeah. poor instruments. So that helped, and then Wally used to come up, and then we'd jam. <laughs> so I was like 13, yeah. and then we'd be up until two, mum would be stamping the floor going you know <laughs> you're making noise i can't go to sleep and we'd play silly stuff like um ah the, the one i've got good memories about uh is i don't even know the name of the song it's like jonah he lived in a wheel jonah he lit it ain't necessarily so oh, okay, yeah, is yeah, the yeah. song and yeah. it's, it's like old blues r&b stuff like that and then uh it, it was great to be a part of and then you get the bug then I suppose and your dad um, he ran Cobb Records in yeah. Puth Madog Bangor and Wrexham yeah they, they started shopping so I think the way I hear the story is that he had the idea because Cobb in Puth Madog the legendary one yeah. used to be a cafe yeah. and they had a jukebox and then it was like what do we do with the old records and then people were dad started to get um so it's not like today, people don't, you have to imagine a time when it was hard to get music yeah. and something from over the Atlantic might take a year or two to get over. Mm. It's not like 
Which was like, it was similar quite recently where you had the CD coming out in America first and then yeah. Dad used to get to hear some bands on Radio Luxembourg and stuff like that and he'd go, oh, we'll import that over. And it cost a lot of money, but th- he found that people would buy them after they'd been in the jukebox. So that's how it developed. And then it just went massive by the 70s. Um, their only competitor was a little, on exporting and importing, was um, a little label called... Virgin. <laughs> that, that, that's how I hear the story anyway. So it was Richard Branson versus... He used to buy them from... If I if remember one of the stories, he used to buy in bulk from Cobb and then sell them on... Oh, really? From his boot or whatever? Well, I don't know if it's... <laughs> I don't know how Virgin started, to be honest. So I got into Bob Dylan um, first when Dad got in touch with Owen, who ran Cobb in Bangor, and um, he gave me like 10 CDs and 10 tapes. And it was everything from Rai Kuda to um, uh, his band. Um, what was his band? Cajun's Dembo. Okay. It's like a cage, Welsh yeah. Cajun music. <laughs> Zydeco. It's, oh, it is amazing. That's a digging it's experimental. Yeah. yeah, they used to be called the Dukes. They were blues band. Anyway, so, um, and Bob Dylan, the, the tape, I remember the tape, the freewheeling Bob Dylan, and that got me turned on to music. So Cobb, was a massive influence but I, I remember going there when I was a kid when dad used to go and you know, um, when he, he was working there he gave it up when I was young it was either moving to Bangor or staying where we were in Festinjog have you ever been there lads? No I, No, don't care for It's me. not on the way to anywhere and it's a magical place if you ever get a chance to go oh, it's to kind of it. it's in the mountain type of thing it's just slate heaps all, all around and it's got a microclimate where it rains 90% of the time but Everyone's upbeat. Yeah, our happy days. <laughs> uh, definitely have to add it to our list. Yeah. So then tell us about Frisbee. That was obviously your first group. How did that start? Actually, I'd been in a school group with um, a couple of other lads. Uh, we were called Aran Hukoil, okay. which is the incredible in, <laughs> in Welsh. Not It wasn't um, an eco thing. It was just... Anyway, it doesn't matter about that. So Frisbee started when Aran Hukoil finished. It was like a year and a... I really wanted to keep doing music and we did it uh, backwards way around basically so it wasn't three musicians coming together we were already mates so we yeah. were going out on the pace and stuff together and then Jace the drummer and O's the bassist learnt their instruments to be so we could start a band oh, really? basically and it was amazing because literally the summer of 2003 um, they couldn't play and by the summer of 2004, we would play My Spee and the, the big gigs in Wales. So, and we'd, we'd actually released an album by then as well. So, I think I keep, I still think it's the best way to start a band is to be mates first. If you're all musicians already, great, but um, find a way of making music because it doesn't matter what, what you make it on, basically. I think. So, what sort of um, bands influenced you uh, for Frisbee? Uh, Supergrass. We were yeah. we were really into Supergrass. We saw them live in Llandidno, and we thought we want to be that good. They were just they were on a different level, and we know now what it was. It's kind of that that ethos of just keep keep gigging, keep working, and do as many tours as you can. They're, obviously, they're amazing songwriters as well. But they were just cool as yeah. as well, weren't they? I remember that gig, Danny Goffey. Yeah, is that the name of the drummer? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's an icon to me. It's the style of drumming that he used to... It was, it was really manic, but perfect as well. Yeah. But I remember coming out of the gig and there was like, oh, that guy, Danny Goffey shit. I'll show him how to play drums. <laughs> what, what are you talking about? What are you watching? <laughs> it's um, Gaz Coombs' solo stuff's proper oh, cool as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Buffalo got me back into music yeah. in a way. Uh, so Osquinith uh, began as a solo project for yourself, but then it sort of uh, morphed into sort of like a bigger beast then, I suppose. I'd been off music for about five years, I think. So I'd been, gone into telly, worked, worked telly f- to get a mortgage. And then um, I remember how it started, the Osquinith stuff. It was I was still writing songs, but just in the house. It was one day, it was a, it was a nice day and I wasn't working that day and... The missus came home, Gwen came home, she came. And I, I was like jumping around the house. What's, what's the matter? I finished the song, I said. And she said, what do you mean you finished the song? Well, it was just, I'd been writing verses and um, choruses with no, didn't know where they were going. There was no output. There was, I'm never going to do an album. It was just writing for myself. And then I finished this song. And it was an awful song. I haven't released that. Scare out your I, system. Yeah, it was like finishing something. I said, oh, I'm going to finish the rest of them. And then, so I, I asked Radio Cymru, BBC Radio Cymru, have always been good to me. I asked them if they still did sessions. And a guy called Gareth Ewan said, you can do whatever you want. So we did three songs. And I genuinely, was. it was based on the reception of those songs. That's why I decided to do more soul stuff which morphed into a band quite quickly because if you finish a song for an album, what's the point of releasing the album? Yeah. People are going to want to see it live. So um, the producer, H. Roberts, his dad came into the studio, who's also called H. Roberts. He came into the studio and said, oh, are you going to play it live? And I was like, oh, I don't know, there's no plans. And he said, oh, Rich will drum for you. And Rich is not a drummer, he used to be a, a guitarist and... He used to sing in a band called Golaola. Okay. But he, he looked over at me and he'd, he'd played the drums on the album and he went, yeah, okay. <laughs> I'll do it. And then um, while we were recording, Tsunami were in the studio and I remember Ivan from Tsunami, really, really talented writer and musician, he came to fetch a guitar or something and um, they were part of the reason why I'd wanted to make music as, uh, back as well because they were a really young band they were doing the kind of music I loved. And then I just went, do you want, do you want to play on this song? And he's going, yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd love to play on the song. And I didn't know it, but he used to be a big fan of Frisbee. Okay. So um, I got, I found a picture afterwards of Ivan, 13-year-old Ivan, had the picture with Frisbee by our van on, on a tour that we did oh, once. Amazing. And he was like, so yeah, no, that was that was amazing. Yeah, and then you went on to record the uh, Cody Kasky. Yeah. And at the Seller Awards in, in 2015, won Best Welsh Language Album, Best Solo Artist, um, cleared up. Yes. It's a weird one because, I don't know, I was coming back as an older musician because these young young musicians that build built the scene back up, basically, because yeah. it had been quite a dark place, quite a boring place. The reason for that, partly, was because the royalties that we received as Welsh artists, it fell like 90% in a, in a, like a three or four year period. But what you found, what you find out, the good thing about that was people don't make music to make money. Yeah. It's just it's just a, a byproduct of it. So the music that was coming out was amazing. So I come back and then it was a bit bittersweet to win all the awards. It was nice to have the recognition and, yeah. you know, the people go, but it was because of them, so... It was okay. I justified it by saying that if I can bring more people to to certain gigs or whatever, then that they're going to benefit from it as well. But I think I knew then years later when to step back again. Yeah, I guess that you said bringing people to to listen to the music. Um, just after you released um, Kodikeski, you you played at Mice and it was like the largest ever attendance there. And there's definitely another scene happening again, particularly up in North Wales that you're obviously quite a big part of. 
Yeah, I think it's it's different this time. When the money was involved, I think there was more um, competition yeah. about the bands. We, we some of us hated each other, but <laughs> no, no, it's true. We had yeah. we had a few run-ins, but this time it's there seems to be more camaraderie. I'm not sure if that's running thin now because it's it, you know the boom's been going for a few years now, and there's it's quite saturated with lots of bands. But the difference is this time, I think, with um, Pierced, especially coming in as yeah. a distributor, yeah. they've streamlined everything. Because the way I put it is like, it used to be just loads of Welsh bands sending their songs to the same people, but you never knew what would hit. And it was like throwing loads of darts at a dartboard with a blindfold on. Whereas now Pierced, they're funneling the song, so they're getting all everything together and then they're scheduling releases where everything gets... And they've got contacts as well, so it's getting you know swell stuff's been playing on played on Six Music, BBC Radio One. You know, Hill's still really involved in yeah. in spreading it, but it's easier for Hill now because he doesn't get three Welsh albums in the same weekend. So we did a, a sort of roundup of 2019 with um, Beth Ann Elvin and 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 David Owens, and we talked about. Kevin Allett piece and what a great job they're doing as well as you know Kosh Libertino they were around when the sort of Welsh music scene was as big as it is now but a few years ago it was almost like we're we've learnt a lot from what's happened in the past and sort of like giving people opportunities not to make mistakes or or just to to sort of lean on that experience. Again, not having money involved is helping that because, yeah, yeah. you know, Griff's doing it in Libertino because he loves Welsh yeah. music or, or music in general, actually. Cause, yeah. Um, but, but with all that, it's funny how the labels have kind of um, landed in their own niches. Griff's doing the more alternative stuff. Yeah. And um, Kosh has been kind of labelled the pop label. Yeah. We're doing a lot of that. There's there's more cool stuff as well. But, you know, the, the labels have all like fallen into their category really yeah. naturally. And it helps. The only thing I'm worried about at the moment is that uh, we, we're doing kind of North Wales, bits of North Wales, us and Ica Ching. Ica Ching's more Wales wide, I suppose. But um, Libertino's doing that. Carmarthen down yeah. to Cardiff kind of area and then Jake Cowell picking up. So I wish it'd be more... I don't know how that had happened because you need to meet up with the bands, I suppose. And yeah. Stuff. But I guess like that's what the sort of beauty of Peace is, that they are the ones that bring it all together. You know, they're based in Cardiff, but, you know, links to North Wales and then Griff's a big part of that as well. Uh, everything, everyone knows what's going on as well. Yeah. Um, used to be that I didn't... Well, I still miss stuff. I still miss stuff because I do a playlist yeah, yeah. And, and I think it might be the first playlist that kind of catalogues the, the new Welsh stuff. And it's not just Welsh, Welsh stuff, it's people, artists who contribute to Welsh language stuff as well. So yeah. anyone who speaks Welsh basically can... Which sounds a bit Nazi, Nazi when I say it. <laughs> but it's just that there's there's enough avenues for stuff that isn't in Welsh. Yes, exactly. So it's just one area where I, where I can help. But I still miss stuff that's coming out and I think it's bonkers because this, I think it's about between two and 20 songs in Welsh come out every week, which doesn't sound like a lot, but it is. It is, it is yeah. It is. And I think that's, you know, an, another reason why... We talk about this quite a lot in in the podcast, the reasons why we do the podcast and, and why we set it up and stuff. And there was definitely like this sense of like a golden generation was happening again in Welsh music. And, you know, being a little bit older and stuck in my ways, I was quite conscious that I was going to miss out on it. And I would never have, you know, been you know witness to these things had I not been conscious of it. 
And but now you, you as you said, like the, you will miss out on things, even though we're on top of it daily, and and you know on on the distribution lists and and stuff like that. We still miss out on stuff. It's mad. It's brilliant, but it's mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I just feel for the artists that we do miss out on. But sometimes there's there's what I've never got, and maybe that's why I enjoy running the label is that I've always understood that artists don't promote themselves, but I've never understood why they don't promote. <laughs> why they don't promote themselves and I've always promoted myself it seems quite egotistical but in my the way the rationale I have is that if I make music and I just release it and don't tell anybody about it no one's going to listen to it and that's the whole point for me is that people listen to it again it's not making money it's just I don't know why why would you make a picture and just keep it for yourself kind of thing so um, so yeah so that, that level of promotion I don't know how we take it now so it's not just again it's not just the Welsh language stuff it's the whole Welsh thing is kicking off again yeah. how do we take it to a place in the modern landscape with Spotify playlists pushing artists more than anything could at the moment you know Top of the Pops used to be like oh we've been on Top of the Pops yeah. now it's we've been on New Music Friday Yeah. so how do we use that and I've always thought Iceland have got a great output for 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 an island of what is it three hundred thousand people yeah, or, or a population of Cardiff or something? Yeah. So how do they do it? And yeah. it's quite simple. They've got an arts council that they've got a mu- their their music website. The government's music website is like a really cool blog. Oh really? It looks amazing, and they they promote their artists. So it's quite simple, really. But that's not enough these days to you know. So we've got to put some meat behind it. I think. Yeah, that links quite nicely to what James was saying about it being a golden period in Welsh music. And obviously we're talking about, um, you know, the uh, Spotify being so important. And um, I think it's uh, such a sort of period now where if it's a great song predominantly, first and foremost, it doesn't matter sort of what language it's in. Um, When I first heard Gwen win, I was just like, this riff is brilliant, you know. (laughs) And uh, it's been part of the sort of hard rock sort of uh, uh, playlists on Spotify uh, first Welsh language band in 2018, one million um, plays. I think it's about three million now with <laughs> Platt as well, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But um, talks through the sort of dichotomy between, you know, streams and physical albums in terms of... Because um, uh, Alpha have got a physical album now. Yeah, you? yeah. Well, what we found is that the vinyl is doing better than the CD. Um, we've released at least a few CDs. I'm, I'm always telling the artist, it's totally up to you. Uh, a CD can be a good promotional tool in a gig or whatever, but we've seen the numbers drop rapidly, so it's it's more streams. I was I was tickle tickle me. I love stats. It's my favourite thing in the world. I don't know why. I just like to know how things work and why they work the way they do. And then um, the older artists we had on the label, and I I'm, I don't mean like old. I mean like <laughs> if they were twenty five compared to eighteen. Yeah. Then. Their streams came from iTunes 30% and Spotify 70%. Yeah. Whereas the young ones came more like 85, 90% through Spotify. So that was a, that was like a, a hangover of uh, iTunes. It's Apple Music now, but yeah. it's the hangover of having that iTunes account. And, yes. oh, I'll just use Apple Music then or whatever. It's really, really um, interesting. And they sell more CDs as well. Mm. So that's just like a legacy thing. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like the sort of magic of having the physical copy yeah. in front of you. You know, I'm a bit of a purist in that sense. But at the same time, from streaming music, I have been turned on to so many more artists yeah. that you just take a punt on because you think this is within my monthly subscription. And yeah. 
do you find this a lot more attendance at uh, gigs because of streaming and that sort of thing? Or is it hard to sort of gauge? It's hard to gauge. I thought the gigging thing was gone after I stopped doing music the first time. Um, when I came back, we chose only to do festivals because it was hard to do the sweaty pubs um, a little bit older and with kids and stuff. And you got to take your own stuff around. <laughs> yeah. So, so we just decided to get the cream. But the, the gigs now, it's the it's the grassroots stuff that interests me, that they're putting them on themselves, which is quite amazing. I suppose that's what happened in the 80s as well. But now it's they haven't got a choice. They wouldn't be invited to the you know a venue, so they've got to take a chance. Again, it's not about money, it's just them needing a place to play so they'll manufacture it in a way so I, th- I think that's but I, I don't know about attendance um, Alpha's a good example where their music wouldn't have been um, daytime Radio Cymru fodder no. yeah, yeah, yeah. On, if it hadn't you know so they, they'd have been probably quite a, a small band in Wales but now Spotify have exactly what you said that's a good song and you can't deny it so we've got the problem now Again, I love the stats, so I can see that people in Birmingham like them, people in Sao Paulo in Brazil like them. <laughs> how do I make that into a, you know, or how, how do I help them? The next thing for Alpha is to probably get a live agent on, on board so they yeah. can tour. And to follow that interest based on the stats that you're getting. Yeah. Maybe, uh, yeah, Sao Paulo, maybe yeah, a bit. I can give them a printout, <laughs> the live agents. So. Um, I went to see Alpha in, um, I give another shout out now to the guys in Aturu in uh, Club Bach. And then they had uh, Lewis as another artist, young artist on, on your label. And I, I bought the album off off the boys. Talk about Record Kosh, because obviously you, you released your, your own stuff earlier on in, in, in your career through through the label. And then now you seem to be the home to, as we said earlier, all of these young artists um, uh, producing music up in North Wales. It's, uh, I don't know if ironic is the right word, but we set it up because no one would take a chance on us right at the beginning. Yeah. So we'd only been going like six months, and we'd wanted to do an album, and they were, and well, the sign sign in Wales were like oh, too young or not polished enough. So we just did it, yeah. And we'd set up a label and stuff. We got help in the beginning, but by now I understand. Okay, how can I put this? I take for granted what I know about music yeah. and about the way a song gets to read or whatever. I think everyone can find that out like I found it out. I just didn't realise that people don't bother. <laughs> just kind of um, Google it is not even a thing. So um, I'm still finding things out, but that's that's my nature, so I can help with the younger bands. But Kosh developed quite naturally. At, at least fr- fr- we released Frisbee stuff from it. I released my own stuff, which then morphed into my mate, May Embrace, wanting to release an album. So we did it for him. And then I thought, I, I, quite, I quite like this. I, I can keep doing this. And it was a way of keeping involved in the music when I wasn't doing anything myself as yeah. well. So, And then I asked a couple of young bands that I were really into, and Lewis was one of them, Gwilym was another, and didn't really realise how weird it was that I was just messaging them out of the blue because I've heard two of their SoundCloud songs. Yeah. I was just going, I like it. Do you want, do you want me to help you release stuff? And they were, yeah. <laughs> That's the best way, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a, I've got a business plan for you. <laughs> Let me show you the way. Because <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's the truth as well. I keep telling the bands coming from a background of making music. I keep telling Alpha, don't know how to make you famous. I don't know, how to, but we'll try. You know, 
Oh, d- d- what I should say is I don't know how to get mil- more millions yeah. of people to listen to you, but we'll try. They're doing a great job already. Let's talk about um, songwriting, I guess, for others. And you were called in at the last minute, um, like super sub, I guess, to write a song for Wales' first time at the du- Junior Euro- Eurovision Song Contest. And it was um, it was documented on Espedrarek with Queer uh, Am Seren, Search for a Star, or Looking for a Star, um, uh, performed by Manu, your song... Um, Perta about your, about your daughter. Yeah, well, it was the last minute thing. They phoned when they phoned. I'd just written the song, and they were they got backs against the wall. I think Amy Ward was supposed to write the song. Yeah, but she'd pulled out for whatever reason. And then I thought, yeah, did that song could work if I just changed some of the lyrics and stuff like that. But it was a project. We've got another label. Um, me, Rich, and Ivan from the band run a label called The Playbook. Yeah, and we do kind of more pop stuff in English. Still Welsh artists, but we release it. And one of the artists wanted a, a video done, and it was going to cost a lot of money. So I quoted the quote that I had for the making of the video as payment for writing the Eurovision song oh. <laughs> to them. And they yeah. went, "Yeah, okay, <laughs> and, okay." <laughs> so that pay that paid for a video on the other label. Oh, so amazing. yeah. So it was kind of, it, I enjoyed the song, but it didn't turn out the way I'd written it. It was like, um, what was that band called? Uh, all you good, good people. Embrace. Yeah. Embrace. It was more like that when I wrote it. And then realising that it had to be um junior Eurovision song. Yeah. And changed it into something more poppy, more, I don't know. But yeah, no. <laughs> we came last <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I read an interview with you where you said um, the it was written with a focus of sounding uh, nice to non-Welsh speakers first and foremost is, yeah because it was European I think there's there's a rule where some of the song I think 30% of the song or something had to be in the native language of the country um, which some countries get around by they've got They've got English as official yeah. languages in yeah. some of the countries. But what I've always done, it's not just on that song, is this is my preference because I've had chats with bads about this and they, they don't like it. But uh, I don't, I try not to use 99% of the time, I try not to use in songs. Okay. And it was because I've, I've always thought about it when I was growing up. Um, why can't I get into that video one? Why can't I get into other artists that people keep saying that are awesome? And I, and I found they were too correct for me, yeah, yeah, <laughs> personally. Yeah. That's not the way I speak. That's yeah. not the way I'd say a sentence. And then, so that was one part of it. It's got to be more fluid. It's got to be more like a talk. And then the second part was listening to German heavy metal. I said, like, I can't get into that. Quite like a heavy metal song. Yeah. But that's... <laughs> It was that. It was just that. <laughs> so I, I thought, is there a way of getting round not using them? And it's it's not easy, but it's not hard. And what it does, it forces you to think of probably a more poetic way to say what you're trying to say. Yeah, yeah. And it takes the song into a different place. I, I, I got. I, I keep thinking I should have an example on this on the tip of my tongue, but I don't. Um, if I was to say the sea is blue, say blue had an S in it. And I had to avoid blue. I'd have to say that the the sea was a, a lighter shade of grey or purple or something like yeah. that. And already I've taken it to somewhere else now, yeah. mm. taking the lighter shade and okay. So it was that and I, th- I think it helps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It helps to write and stuff and not sound like... Yeah. I, I um, read an interview with uh, Kate Le Bon and obviously she's bilingual but more predominantly English um, language now. But um, some of her best stuff is her Welsh stuff, like, yeah. you know, oh, I'm Gary Adolf, the first album and that. 
But she said that um, she finds it harder writing in Welsh um, songwriting mm. uh, because it gets more sort of convoluted. Is that sort of linking with what you're saying? Probably, there? probably. If you want to say um, so, mutations are hard as well. So I've got a rule in mutations: if if it sounds wrong in a song, then just don't do it. Do it the wrong way. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> just do it the wrong way. I've got a lot. I think there's a I, the fir- one of my first songs that did well was with the first band called Ranagoil, and it was Pied the Poiny. The correct way of saying it is Pied the Poiny. Oh, but I, I needed the alliteration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pied the Poiny, I'm done because it doesn't sound Pied the Poiny. It just didn't sound right to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and I know that like hundreds of Welsh people are going, that's wrong, <laughs> and it hurts my ears. But that that's it was. I needed that kind of syncopation thing. So. We're working with uh, these Music Cymru uh, coming up in a, in a couple of weeks um, and they've got a big focus on learners this, this year. And we want to do a special episode for uh, songs that, you know, like we're saying, that, that are nice for Welsh learners and help them on mm. their journey as as discos. Uh, as discoid and um, we asked our uh, listeners that's funny, sorry t- I gotta stop you I'd, I'd say discourse <laughs> really yeah probably just in like oh, not a lot of discourse oh, I didn't, didn't want to get um, didn't want to get caught out <laughs> no discourse <laughs> no, is correct I'd, okay. I'd use that as well but yeah sometimes we put S's on end to pluralise things as well which is wrong but we do do it <laughs> It's good to know. And Sabana V, which I guess you're probably most famous for, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, is uh, was 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 recommended as one of those songs, which is, is an amazing tune. We know that. Um, but you you mentioned that you're sort of conscious of that in terms of like the alliteration and the maybe not correct sort of things. Yeah. Do you give that advice to the Welsh language bands on the label and people you speak to as well? I've always told my rule to our rules to I've shared it that they. Just laugh. Uh, it's fine. It's, yeah. it's up to you. If you if you can do it without or with, some people get away with it because they say there's a, there's a massive Welsh artist called Bryn Vaughan and he's got a lovely and he gets away with it like that. So yes, each to their own. But I, I do. But it's funny with the well with the Sabonavis. There's definitely a crossover with that song anyway because it's got like organically four hundred thousand streams and the videos been watched the same amount of times. So it, that can't be all Welsh language listeners it can no. can be yeah. but it i know it's not because yeah. people come up to me and go oh i like your song so it tickles me when people say it's helped me learn welsh because yeah. it's welsh gobbledygook <laughs> talking about running around like rats which is a good oh no that that works in every language isn't it running around like rats i think that's a proper proverb proverb <laughs> we run like rats we do yeah and then talking about drinking wine and stuff but sorry to take the tone down, but it was I re- wrote it after my wife had a miscarriage. Okay. So it it it, it was born out of a really sad time, and yeah. we were down in the dumps and stuff. And I thought, let's go on holiday or something like that. And um, I'd been writing sad music as well, and I thought, do you know what? I need to get out of this funk. So I wrote a happy, the happiest song in the world. <laughs> And uh, it helped. It got us out of a jam, and we did go on holiday. And that's that's for the first line of it is "Dorsam Dorri Dorsamor." Go for a walk right over the sea. Yeah, yeah. Would never have never have guessed that. And we talked about Supergrass earlier, and it's definitely got that vibe, particularly in in the video. You're having a laugh. Um, <laughs> as, and there's a song by Coldplay, "Fix You," which is about oh, miscarriage. Yeah, and when yeah. I found that out, and you know, I I've been through it a couple of times, and 
Nobody like prepares you for it, do nah, they? No one talks about it either no. and stuff like that. And even like... It's a weird one because they tell you then it's like one in four. Yeah. It's one in four of the first pregnancies. And I think, I should know that. Oh God, yeah. Yeah, everyone should know that because it's it might hurt less when it happens. But, it's, you know, that's that's the great thing about music. Yeah, that's a more sombre song fix you, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, but yeah. it's um, it's probably health Chris Martin, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. So it's just like, yeah. Over something. Yeah, definitely. So, oh, let's uh, talk about uh, football as well. So, uh, keen, keen footballer. And you used to play, oh, you played um, a crew when you were younger. Yeah, uh, when I was 13. I was only there a year, but um, I, football, I loved football, but it was it was more something I was good at and I loved being good at than mm. something I was obsessed with. Yeah. I still feel that. I, I love football, but it's like tribal fans and stuff I can't I can't get my head around that yeah. and hating another team yeah. it's like oh, no it's just football <laughs> yeah. it's good so I, I did it and crew playing for crew was hard at that age I remember I was playing for my local team Blinna uh, on a Saturday crew on a Sunday we had crew training on a Monday Blinna training on a Tuesday then <laughs> Wednesday night off and then Thursday we'd be back at crew and then Friday night, I wasn't supposed to have fun, but I tried. And then it started again, didn't it, on Saturday? So <laughs> I wasn't supposed to play for Blaine at the time as well, but you can't tell the kid that no. he's not to play with his mates. So what I found at that time is this the same thing. It's the same thing with music, I think. You find out that it's driven people that do well. It doesn't matter what, what the thing is when you know that that's what you want to do. And I wasn't sure at, at 13... 14. I did regret it regret it later on when I was about 17, 18, but, the, you know, the chance had passed. But it was funny, when I was a crew, um, I played up front with a guy called Dean Ashton who went on to play for England and stuff. Um, David Vaughan was there, the same age as me. Abigaile Pelle. Abigaile Pelle <laughs> went, on, went on to play for Wales. Um, he was good, he was good yeah. for Wales as well. He was at yeah, Euros, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. 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 And then, um, uh, who else? Robbie Savage was there when I... Be- began playing a guy called Deli Adebola, Deli Adebola, which yeah. who I played pool with. <laughs> and, um, oh, Danny Murphy. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, Liverpool yeah. legend turned... I, I know I'm talking to two uh, awful Man pundits. United fans now. And, uh, <laughs> he's got a special place in Liverpool hearts. Three winners against United. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, 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 um, were you there? He's I got, think you were saying, he? Yeah, yeah. Three, three, three winners, yeah. Um, you were there the day you got signed by Liverpool, I think, you were saying. I think so. I, th- I don't know if I've made this up afterwards, but um, I remember Dario Gradi and Danny walking the training field because we were, it was a big complex where we trained together. And... Uh, I remember them being on the phone and there was a big buzz, you know, you can sense it. Mm. And people say, he's, been, he's, he's going to Liverpool. He's going to Liverpool. They weren't a very good team at the time, so... No, not really, <laughs> yeah. That was the Spice Boys <laughs> era, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and talking of football, you um, and the link with music, you managed to get uh, Gwilym's single Catalonia played at the race course before a game. Yeah. And uh, Ivan, being a big Wrexham fan, uh, must have been buzzing about that. I love uh, the way that, that was Alan from Pierce. I love the way he thinks about stuff. So um, how are we going to get something promoted? And he'll think outside of the box. Yeah. But to be honest, I've always found football and music go hand in hand. And yeah. there's a mass, there's a much bigger link between football and music than rugby and music. Yeah, and yeah, I don't I'd know agree. I why. I don't know. It's weird when it just... It's like, it seems like all of the musicians or the cool musicians anyway, you know, they like football. Mm. You know, like see, well, Griffin Al going to... 
um, going to, to to the Euros and and the Super Furries boys and and those sort of things. Yeah, I loved Bing Bong. That was my anthem. Yeah, was, yeah. I just, I couldn't no, couldn't that. listen to the Manics one. <laughs> <laughs> who would you um Who would you like to see do a, a um a song for this Euros? I'm gonna do one. You're gonna do one. Yeah, I am gonna do one. Oh, nice. It's, it's I'm I'm in um. I'm go- you can't see this, but I'm going to show you a bit of my belly. <laughs> That's my belly. <laughs> and I've decided that I've thought of the video and everything for it. I haven't written it yet. Okay. But um, I'm going to get fit okay. in the video. Okay. Actually get fit. <laughs> yeah. And then find out it was all a dream. <laughs> so I'll actually be fat. <laughs> so I'm method acting at the yeah, moment. Yeah. I, haven't, I haven't shaved <laughs> for a while. And uh, no, we're, we're actually starting to film the video next week. Oh, really? Yeah, without writing the song. It's just like, I'm going to do it anyway. Just, so <laughs> if, I were, if I was to choose, I'd probably Mark Kirf. Mr. Oh, yeah. I'd have Mr. Do one. Cymru, Cloyga, Achlan Roos. I think he'd write a one. But new banger. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And a cool one as well. That's the, that's the thing as well. Bing Bong is just a good song. As yeah. if um if if it's nothing to do with football and it's, it turns out to be an anthem, then that'd be that'd be cool. Yeah. yeah, I think I think it's taken on a whole new identity Welsh football at the moment in terms of like it's always it was always like can't take my eyes off you for years. Now it's like the bucket hats and zombie nation yeah. and spirit fifty eight and all that sort of thing. And um Tim Williams is yeah. a massive part of it, isn't he? Yeah. 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 Uh, have you worked with Tim at all with S O C? He's he's a really dry character, isn't he? And I I didn't know how to take him in the beginning because he, he we talked to him with Gwilym because um he did some Catalon Catalonia t shirts for us. They've got a song called Catalonia and um I cried when I heard that first time because there was like something like a fifth song we'd released through caution, I was thinking. It's amazing, and I'm a bad. Yeah. It was amazing. It's just, and the stuff was all going on as well in Catalonia. So, um, so t- Tim did us a few t-shirts and stuff. And he said, "Do they want to play in the stadium?" <laughs> what do you mean? I got a stage in the stadium. <laughs> okay, so they they sorted that out and they played there and in the foyer and stuff. And it's, he's just, he's again, he's just a doer, and he? Yeah. he gets stuff done. Yeah. So you're gonna go to uh, back in Rome in the summer? Uh, was gonna go to Baku pulled out when I found out there was a war <laughs> yeah it doesn't look good does it how close is it to Tehran it looks close on a map it's I probably know. thousands yeah, of miles yeah, but yeah, no true. no it looks quite close to Tehran on a map doesn't it so um, no with having three kids and stuff but we've booked for Italy yeah we've booked the flights got the tickets so yeah that'll be fun you gonna go for the family again like you did in uh, 2016 uh, no <laughs> <laughs> no I just gotta say it was fun it was it was a lot of fun but it was kind of stressful as well so. yeah no um, it'll be weird to be away for that would be the most I've ever been away from because we're doing like a five day trip to mm. to save money basically yeah, yeah, yeah. it's cheaper to go on the Wednesday before the Sunday <laughs> we'll see it'll be fun anyway wasn't it you'll, you'll be there yeah um, hopefully <laughs> Yeah, um, hopefully. Yeah, we'll see how we go. And I'm, uh, yeah, big birthday this year, so I'm hoping to get a, a birthday present that is uh, Wales football related. 30th birthday. Yeah, 21st. <laughs> You've had the uh, the Gareth Uragatang treatment. Oh, Not yeah. once, but twice. Yeah, I love Gareth. Once live at the, uh, at, was it Mycebeer? Yeah, well, my tent, Mycebeer, there's a cafe. So Mycebeer's the biggest gig in Welsh music, isn't it? And then... Um, They've got a cafe on the Steadwood Mice as well, where they do more chilled sets, and they commandeered it to do a live Gareth. And I used to work for the company that do a Gareth. Okay, Hanch is it? it well, oh. yeah, and and Antenna. So okay, Hanch, yeah. Hanch is supplied by all the independent Welsh TV companies, yeah. which is cool as well. I think. Um, 
but yeah, Antenna do it, and I know that they were cacking themselves doing it live because you never know what that monkey. There's not a monkey. Sorry, that orangutan. I were gonna say. Gonna say that. So and obviously, um, you can't stop anyone coming into that tent. It's like a teepee. So there was kids there and everything, yeah. but it was fun. He, he knows where the line is. I've shown um, yeah, my daughter who goes to a Welsh um, medium language school only like the flipping love your chips video because <laughs> she loves chips as well. But um, yeah, I wouldn't show her anything else, even though yeah, I probably don't understand a lot of what he's There's saying. There's a good one but... called Moves Like Davidy One. Oh, really? <laughs> oh yeah, I saw that with the uh, yeah. There's um, two gifts of that. Well, I I can't. I wouldn't be able to explain that if to anyone who'd never seen it before. It sounds so ridiculous, isn't it? And I still can't understand why it's funny. Either. Yeah, it just <laughs> it really just is. is. <laughs> oh, by the way, yeah, when when you're when you're talking to the orangutan, it's you're talking to a person. It's n- there's it becomes weird very quickly. Yeah, you get lost in a fake pair of eyes. Like <laughs> well, I. I yeah, I was thinking of that, with the, especially with the live one, because yeah, you can just imagine that the guy's hands there and <laughs> he's got to make the same shape because he's all off the, like, he's ad-libbed and that yeah. sort of thing, yeah. Oh. Well, I don't want to give too much away. No, but, um, don't admit No, I won't, no, no, it's brilliant. It is but, great. But it, you do, you're talking to a person and you can't, can't shake it. It's weird. It's weird. <laughs> and you... Well, you must have loved that you went back twice. The only person I think who's uh, had two two goes. Oh no, there's a, there's another guy called. He's a good, good actor. Owen Arthur. Okay. I'm a bit jealous when Owen Arthur does him as well. Yeah. Um, because I think I should be Gareth's mate. <laughs> I've told them at the television company, and they go, oh, okay. And then I don't get invited <laughs> <No. them> back. <laughs> About this time, we ask our guests to uh, choose an album by a Welsh artist that uh, means a lot to them, their favourite, the best one, however <laughs> they want to determine it. Um, what were you going for? I've, I've had to go with the one that influenced me most when I was young. So I, I wasn't really into Welsh music, as I said earlier on, about the, the language and David Iwan being too correct for me. I, I heard a band called Topper, yeah, yeah, and they got me turned on to Welsh music. So there was the Gwevis Mevis Gluvis and some other songs. And so they, they kind of went, okay, Welsh music can be cool and I, I can get into it. And then Big Leaves formed. They used to be Beg and Eves, but I, for, for a few years I didn't know about Beg and Eves. I only knew about Big, Big Leaves. But they were just, they just they dropped my jaw. I, I went to see them live a couple of times as well and they had this massive aura on stage and stuff. Yeah. And, and it was like um, regal rock music, really. It was like, we are great. Yeah. And they had the swagger and stuff. Really got into them. They had two EPs, um... Trumkusk and I think the Belinda EP and then they released an album which I've got to be honest when he asked me what my favourite Welsh album was I was like hmm it wasn't my favourite but it is now yeah. because it was a it, they were not a flop but for the hardcore fans it I think it contained about three songs from the two EPs yeah. so we'd already heard them and the other songs were stylistically a bit different so but it's an amazing Listening back, the quality of that album stood the test of time as well. Still sounds good today, which is a good marker. I think it's like 20, it's got to be 20 years old. Yeah, like 2000. Oh yeah, yeah. so bang on 20 years old. And then um, the the other story I've got about it is um, my, what's tad better than English? Godfather. Godfather. Uh, was looking after me for a day and he had to go to sign to do something. And then he, oh, you go into the studio to see who's recording and then I'll just, I'll be here. 
is that okay? I was like, what would they have been, 16, 17? And I went into the studio, it was Big Leaves recording. Nice. And they were recording a track called Sun Video. I didn't like it. <laughs> you didn't uh, tell him, did you? I was there, oh, I love it now. It's, it's an amazing track. But to see, that process was quite amazing anyway. And then, um, no, I, I've, Kev, who was in Pierced, was yeah. a, a member of the Big Leaves. So it's funny. It's, we talk about it. He, he cringes, and I, I, I think I can understand it because sometimes a project doesn't turn out like like you thought it was, or your p- people's perceptions of what you do. We've had this lots in frisbee. We were judged as a pop band, as a teeny bopper band, and it was crazy because we were doing gigs in pubs full of thirty, forty year olds singing the music back and. A lot of Frisbee stuff, especially the last album, was kind of visceral rock. But I suppose we did a couple of pop tunes and then pe- that's all people remember. But Kev, Kev um, is, I think he's the stumbling block why Big Leaves won't reform. <laughs> really? <laughs> he wants a good reason to do it, which is uh, commendable as well. Yeah, definitely. So the album's Poising Galu. I remember I first heard Big Leaves when they were featured on um, a CD and a cardboard sleeve on the front of uh, Enemy. Yeah? And um, yeah, it was a CD called On One and it had Sly Alibi Oh on it. yeah, yeah, that was and a it was, B-side or something. I, yeah, it was, it was the standout track on, on that album and then you had these little bits of uh, information about the band and they were Welsh and I was like, oh, brilliant. And then yeah. I remember when the album came out and... It was, it was all in the Welsh language, apart, you know, obviously the name uh, <laughs> yeah. of the band, wasn't it? But And, and it, I guess it was like um, same sort of time, Super Furry was releasing Mung and, mm. you know, you know, I was quite into some of the, the Gorky's, uh, Gorky's albums and, you know, a lot of the Welsh language thing. But I guess like this, probably in the same sort of sense as what you were saying, it was, it's very, um, very accessible because it's so melodic and yeah. it's such, such, there's such beauty in that you don't te- technically need to know what they're singing about, you know? No, it works. Yeah. yeah. I, d- I don't know why they didn't, I, I was, I always, when I saw them live, I think these are going to be massive. They've yeah. got to be, there's no other outcome that can be. Um, what I think what you realise is it, this is a problem in maybe a problem. I'm not sure. Maybe people disagree, but when you when you start out writing music, it's the most pure, raw stuff that you'll ever do. It's the first album, the second album. Obviously, Big Leaves had been begging Eves before. Yeah. They wrote a lot of bangers. They're still on Radio Cymru now. And they've been Big Leaves and they've wrote... So some of your stuff goes out the window. Some of the passion you have for it goes out the window. And you have to start again, which is a weird one. So if, if you've started doing well stuff and now you have to break a new market all, all, all together, it's, it's a pretty... It's a pretty daunting thing to do, but I, I still think the English stuff was good. It's just, it just some for some reason didn't break through. Well, at the, um, I think, second Welsh, uh, English language single, Racing Birds, which yeah. um, they played like back to back on, on BBC Radio, I think, like Mark Radcliffe or something like that sort of well, thing. Well, to play it twice. Yeah, played it <laughs> twice. Like, you know, it's uh, yeah, unbelievable. No, I, I, Racing Birds is still a tune. Yeah. It's, um, it sounds a bit, Dated, I think. I'm not sure what they did but as regards to recording after that, because we, we're a bit spoiled in Wales again with the, most of the Welsh bands 
from 20 years ago and, and beyond with Brooks Recording and Sign, which is one of the best studios in Wales, probably. Yeah. Mm. It still still is. Um, it's starting to get used again, which is nice. There's a, a, um, a production company called Drum, which is the guy from Candela, well, two of the guys from Candela's, oh, yeah, yeah. Ivan and Oshan, and yeah. they, they've started to record uh, bands there and they've done some live stuff there. And it's good what's, you know, that they're using it again yeah. because it went quiet for a while. And you were saying about um, the English language stuff that could have been huge. And um, we read on the net, I don't know if it's an urban legend, but um, the song Fine was Liam Gallagher's <laughs> tune of the year. But we can't see any other verification <laughs> whether it's true or not. I don't know. It's the. Um, doesn't ah, seem very Liam song. No, it's not. It's kind of a, a nice summer. I don't know. Maybe Liam does like that kind of music. He's just all the front. I don't know. <laughs> um, one of the things that we spoke to um, Matt uh, from Zabrinsky about was yeah. about like the bands people were likening Zabrinsky to when they were coming out and they got Super Furries and, mm. and Gorkies as did the Big Leaves. But you probably couldn't get two bands who were completely different no. as Big Leaves and Zabrinsky and obviously it's very lazy. I think Leaves were mates with Superfairy Animals and yeah. stuff as well. Yeah. So that, that kind of lumps you in. Yeah, but that's, that is weird, isn't it? Yeah. Like, oh. Welsh. Yeah. What two like bands the do we Gorky, have? Like the No. <laughs> well, Gorkies don't sound like anybody no, exactly. in the world. Yeah. I, th- I think with, um, with the Big Leaves, though, they did get um, likened to Gorkies plus Super Furries with a hint of the Beach Boys. Okay. Obviously, a lot yeah. of the melodies and, uh, sorry, the harmonies and stuff yeah. like that. that and that they, was so tight life. Yeah. It was amazing because I suppose they were friends and they practiced and they gigged and it was all it was all cool. Um, I thought they were... Was it the band called Reef? I think the band was called Reef. Put, put your, your hands. Yeah, put yeah, your hands. Yeah. I, I thought they were similar to that vein of music, okay. which was um, who else? They we caught the train. What are they called? Ocean Colosseum. Ocean Colosseum. That's that's what I was into at the time. Yeah, as well, so. I, I think the guitars sound sort of quite that time, don't they? That late sort of nineties, early naughty sort of classic yeah. sort of guitar sound. Really, I yeah. think that will come back, won't it? Yeah, it's got to. It's, 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 these things are in cycles, aren't they? Well, I think even that nineties was a little bit seventies. So yeah, sixties. Yeah, sixties yeah, yeah. really. Yeah, yeah. When it was all the kinks and all that sort of thing. But that's, cast, that's, that's a weird one as well. People calling Oasis Beatles. Yes, some of the melodies were stole <laughs> but it's not the same no, at all no 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 and yeah especially the Beatles sort of like changing the way they sound over a very short period of time going from like 1962 yeah. Love Me Do to like 1970 with like stuff that's going on in yeah. Let It Be White album incredible whereas transition isn't it? Oasis sounding the same for I think that came from working class band making good you know because yeah. there's lots of privileged kids from London who get platforms because they're privileged kids from London rather than... And the, the London scene, we've we've tasted a bit of that with the Playbook label. Um, we found that it's just the same as any other scene in the world. It's loads of people who know each other just working together and excluding other people. <laughs> it's just the same. Um, the um, album's preceded by the two EPs uh, under the name Begneefs, and that, that's a sort of term that's referred to for people living in that area, is it, Begneefs? Yeah, Begneefs, yeah, they were Weinvauer people, um, and I think the name, the Big Leaves then came from, they were doing like a Dutch, this is what I remember, like a yeah, Dutch yeah, radio yeah, like interview, that. and they said, what's, what's it called? And they went, Begneefs. Oh, Big Leaves, great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a good name. Good name, we love that. So, um, obviously, you were familiar with the EPs, uh, first of all. Was it a sort of source of frustration that they replicate that on the album then with those songs? Or do you think it was just they um, needed to to get to that sort of wider audience? Do you know when you put someone on a pedestal and then 
I think that that's what it was with me. I was like, this is going to be the best thing in the world ever. And then they'd re-recorded one of the songs, well, called Blair. And I loved the first version. So the second version was a bit cleaner, a bit tighter. And it was like, oh, no, I like the sloppy one. Yeah. But, you know, that's just that's just me. Everyone else in Wales who weren't super fans loved it anyway. And they still do. And I, I still do. I do now. And the the, the album and the, and the two preceding EPs were on um, Cry the sort of uh, offshoot yeah, of sign. Yeah. Um, and was Reese Moyne involved in, he, in I the band? I, he either ran it then or later, but as you'll find out, Reese was involved with every band in yeah. the world. <laughs> well, I say like Catatonia had yeah, like yeah, yeah. two EPs out on um, Cry yeah. before they were signed to Blanco and Negro. And yeah, he's helped a lot of people. He was a Frisbee's agent for a couple of years. Okay. Um, Frisbee did 130 gigs in one year. Um, and that was down to his. <laughs> the thing is, we we were doing everything ourselves. But <laughs> this is going to sound great. Back in the day, I had the pay-as-you-go phone. Yeah. And I knew I had voice messages, but I didn't have credit to listen to them. And it was like when I did put ten pound in the phone, it was like um, twenty gigs that I'd missed because <laughs> they'd left a message. Uh, it's brilliant. And then so we got this on board, and he then. He took us to Interceltic Festival in Lorient, and um, yeah, it's incredible. Though I was reading that um, with Anne Revan, he was gigging as much as three hundred times a year. Yeah, they all across Europe to as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they, they just jumped in a van and went all over Europe. Well, that's the thing. The can-do people we learnt from this. Um, he's brilliant. He's got a story about everything. It's just mad what he's done, what he's been through. Um, but it's kind of. He knew that the only way you're going to do it is just get out there. There's there's no other... There's no secret to it. If people ask about a secret, get get your music heard, get out. Um, <clears throat> we started gigging with a band called um, The Gogs, which became The Heights. They almost made it. But when they were the, the Gogs, they used to literally take us in the back of their van, turn up to a gig where they'd been booked, and said, we've brought another band with us to play. And they're like... This, 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 they were going, what, what? So, oh, it's okay, we'll share our stage time with them. And they did. Amazing. If they were booked for an hour, we'd do half and they'd do half. Oh. And and that was, but we were doing it for free and we're just going, we'll go everywhere. So that's the work ethic. It was like that and then hers and you just got to get out there. Really. Yeah. And I guess like we talked about earlier, but you know, you feeding that sort of wisdom onto the bands that you're working with now and like, it's n- probably never been a better time to get your music out there. It might not be the same in terms of like monetary reward as it was in the past and stuff like that, but the distribution opportunities are, are quite simple, really. Yeah, and it, it's guidance now as well. What I've learned is that, um, uh, well, you've, I, how many times have you heard management fall out with a band? Yeah. It's every time or the label falling out with a band. And, and, and I've realised the reason the label tell you to do something or the management say this is how you do it. And when that falls apart, which... It, Every time it does, without fail, it will fall apart. The artist will release, will release their third single and it doesn't do as well, and they go, oh, "It's your fault. It's never the artist's fault." And it mm. isn't probably, but don't never tell an artist or a band to do anything. Just guide. Just say, "Well, you could do this. Yeah, this is what I I'd probably do." And then and you you do that from a place of experience, and then it's it's got some weight behind it. Whereas if you just if you're just a, a chancer going, "Come on, let's." You don't have to do it before telling people how to do it, but experience goes a long way, I think. And yeah, just going back to the album, as I said, it's quite like melodic and harmonious, but 
even on like uh, the album opener, Dylan Didrun, um, it's quite a stomper. Yeah. It's still got the U's and the R's and stuff like that in the breakdowns and the choruses. It's just, uh, yeah, that's a great sort of opening track for an album. They, they, there's quite a, a normal way of writing songs. They did, they did the verse, chorus, middle eight. And yeah. I've definitely picked up on that, which is you can write songs which are mad and all over the place. But what you find is that only genius can make that work, probably. Yeah. Or you might be lucky if you get a, you know, a song that's seven different parts. But um, yeah, so seeing them live and stuff, you knew what was coming and you could sing along as well, which probably, you know, that gives you that pop reputation as well. But they were just so cool. I can't, you've, I'd love if you'd seen them live. It was. Well, I didn't see them live, unfortunately. But like, luckily, we do have the Far but Out yeah, blog on YouTube, yeah, and yeah. and you know they were in. They featured in the John Cale film Come and Come Yeah, Three. that's that's chilled though. It was in gigs. They'd oh, that's that's another thing. They were the first professional band I saw. Oh, really? So Welsh music before then, and it's much better than this now. It was it was a band walking on stage, tuning up their instruments. And then performing, even in a big gig. Yeah. Leaves had the guitar tech. It was also the drum tech, but he'd come on, he'd line check the, all the instruments and they'd just walk on, pick up and play. And it was like, <gasps> they're in tune. <laughs> <laughs> That's magic. Yeah. And that was before, you know, the days of digital tuners and all that. So that was the first thing I noticed. And then it was the swagger. Roddy Sean is a really, really shy person in real life, but when you gave him the microphone, he'd make young teenage girls and boys go mental. Yeah. It was it was amazing. And then uh, May, his guitar playings are probably the best I ever ever saw until, you know, I got into techie guitars. Yeah. But still it's it's not it's not the technical perfection. It's he wrote those yeah, yeah, riffs yeah. and replicated them well, you know. I think it's PhD. Sort oh, of like yeah, so yeah. intricate in in the guitar and yeah, just yeah. I say Thenin, which is not is their biggest song. Is it's no secret that it's Little Wing, but morphed into a Queen song. <laughs> <laughs> and they did a video for that where they went underwater in a swimming pool and stuff, and it and it was supposed to be in in a river. So it, was, it was amazing. But that song, okay, you can you can say it's ripped off a bit of you know the Little Wings, but that's really hard to do anyway. Yeah. And then to make it into a song, and it's not um, a standard zone. It's not a standard yeah. chord progression or anything. And and it, I think it changes key. I'm not sure, but it's just amazing. I love that song. Kev went on to. To, to work on Turnstile and Piston, obviously, um, Acid Casuals. Yeah. Um, but two of the band went on to um, to work on Sabridion, and they, they were quite a big band as well. Yeah, the brothers, May Gwynedd and um, Oshan Gwynedd, they, they, they broke ground in Wales as well. It's, it's, again, taking that professionalism into something else. And a guy I work with lots now was the drummer for Sabridion, David Nant, who's, okay. he's now a photo Nant, he's um, doing pictures and... He's done a lot for Kosh because he wants to still be involved in the the music scene, and we have we have good kind of reminiscences about the old days. Yeah. That's another thing they did. They never they never would be at the venue until they were playing. Yeah. So they had a van and they'd keep themselves to themselves. And I always learned that that was a really good thing to do if you wanted to create mystique. And as I was saying, I thought they were gods. Yeah. Because. Yeah. All I saw was that on stage. And um, obviously people are different people when they're on, but they'd make sure they kept them 
ourselves from an audience, which is harder to do in Wales because the venues are smaller and you've just had a sound check, you don't want to go anywhere, you probably just stay around and have a beer. But that spoils it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've come to see a band and they're there in the corner having a burger. <laughs> Just dribbling down the chin. <laughs> yeah. so, drinking so. a Coke and then... Yeah. Oh, they're not cool. Yeah. They're not cool. <laughs> they can't eat burgers without dribbling. Oh, well, thank you so much for your time today. I always really appreciate it, talking talking for your career and, and obviously your, 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 your chosen album. Really appreciate your time. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you very much, lads. Thanks, mate. We've got an appropriate uh, tune to finish with this week uh, featuring former members of Big Leaves, Oshan Gwyneth and Rodri Sean. It's kind of like a Welsh language supergroup called Boy. Uh, also features members of bands such as Candelas, uh, HMS Morris, and Sabrudion. And this is called Anis Angel. Mm-hmm.